Welcome, everybody, to Soccer 101. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and this week uh, we are tackling a topic that Graham Ruffin has wanted to pursue for quite some time, and I'm uh, interested to talk about it. Graham, you said you wanted to talk about blacking out. Is that correct? You want to just get into your history of it and how it can be fun but also is not great? That's where we're going with this? Is that what we're oh. doing this week? Oh, yikes. I mean, I thought we were saving that for the Patreon, Taylor, but <laughs> if you want to do that on 101, then uh, be my guest. Uh, yeah, don't blackout. Uh, that's not a great idea. But Graham, let's talk <laughs> about blackouts. Specifically, why are we talking about blackouts? What is a blackout when it comes to television and in England? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking about this one because I think it fits the 101 uh, template well in that it is this uh, weird thing, not related mm-hmm. to my uh, exploits on the weekend involving alcohol, but related to TV and football. And it exists for reasons that Listeners, if you're not in the UK, might not be aware of. Uh, and as someone who watches a lot of football on TV, this is something that is part of my routine every single weekend. It's something I have to think about the TV, the 3 p.m. TV blackout that exists in the United Kingdom. I know there's not anything similar in the in, in the US, so it's a, a an interesting topic, if you ask me. And and what is it like? Straight up, like for for people who aren't as familiar, people who don't really know how it works in England, because over here you can watch every single game and it's wonderful. Over there, not the case when it comes to 3 p.m. Yeah, so perhaps the the best place to start would be the context that in English and British soccer, it's traditional for matches to kick off at 3pm on a Saturday. It's been that way for like 100 years, maybe even more. And basically 3pm was chosen because it suited the working hours of fans. A lot of working class fans would work early on a Saturday morning. So 3pm was a good time to allow them to get to the match. So now we have that context. The 3pm blackout relates to the TV coverage of these 3pm kickoffs. And there is a rule in the UK that says no Premier League, Football League or FA Cup matches um, can be broadcast on live television uh, on Saturday between 2.45pm and 5.15pm. That's something to, that also stretches into Scotland. No Scottish games can be uh, broadcast at that time either. So obviously matches can be played then. And loads of them are every single weekend. It is the most common time for matches to be, to be played in the UK. It's 3 p.m. on a Saturday. But in the UK, those matches cannot be broadcast live on TV. So there is this weird scenario every weekend when you get to 3 p.m. There are countless matches taking place across the country and down the, the leagues. But you actually can't watch any of them. There are live radio broadcasts but not TV ones. Um, you do have the show that listeners might have uh, heard of is uh, Soccer Saturday on Sky Sports. It is basically a show where like six uh, people sit in a studio and watch the TVs and describe what's happening on the TVs for each match. You can't see what's happening on the TVs, but they're describing it to you as the as the watch as the viewer at home it's a weird concept when you break it down like that but it's just because fans need a way to to stay in, uh, keep informed and, and up to date with what's is happening at these matches they can't put them live on tv so that's kind of what they've settled on and graham you said there's a rule that they can't do this who, who does enforce that like if you if you were a rogue broadcaster and you put a game on at 3 p.m is scotland yard kicking down the door what's going to happen so it is, it's enforced by the leagues. It's sort of a pact between the leagues. So the, the Premier League, the, the EFL, and then also the SPFL um, up here in, in Scotland, the FA as well with the FA Cup, of course. A few years ago, there was a startup broadcaster called Eleven Sports, um, and they vowed to break the, the blackout. They, were, they, they entered the market, they bought La Liga rights, they 
made this mission statement that they felt the 3pm blackout was anti-competitive and that was their whole thing uh, they claimed that it, it wasn't lawful um, was part of their argument but, it, but in the end they backed off um, pre- presumably on the advice of about 100 Premier League lawyers that threatened to to visit them if they didn't back off and 11 sports kind of disappeared but it is something that is enforced by the leagues there's a there's a loose kind of a, agreement or arrangement with the government as well like the government backs it to a certain extent um, but it's something that if a, a broadcaster was to just stick a game live on 3pm, I guess the leagues would just kind of revoke their rights um, and that relationship would break down ultimately. And why does this exist? We've touched on it a little bit, and I think it's worth noting that, I th- to my understanding, it is a little bit different than the way we have them in the United States. Because broadly speaking, you can have different ones, but I think in the United States, you have local blackouts oftentimes because you're trying to get people to attend uh, those games. You don't want, say, the Bills or Washington Commanders to have no one in the stands but still be on TV. So there's this idea that in the local market, you're you're blacking it out so it won't be on TV. So if you want to watch, you have to go to that game. And that is maybe part of it when it comes to how it operates in the UK. But to my understanding, it's more so to make people go to Sterling Albion. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the logic is that the 3pm blackout keeps British football healthy all the way down the pyramid. We all know about the strength of the Premier League. But I think the real strength of um, English football in particular is the interest all the way through the divisions. That's the thing that makes English football unique, even when you compare it to countries like Germany. Of course, Germany has a a big fan culture, but I don't think if you went down the divisions in Germany that you would get to the 10th tier like you do in England and have... 5,000 fans at those mm-hmm. games, which is common in, in England. The championship is the 10th best attended league in the world. Derby County and Bolton average over 20,000 fans at home games in League One. Bradford, Notts County and Wrexham, they all get over 10,000 on average in League Two. And even if you go down to the National League, as I kind of suggest, then the attendances are strong. You go down to the regional leagues bef- below that, they're strong there as well. So the logic is that by blacking out um, live broadcasts at 3pm on a Saturdays when which is when all these teams play, these clubs can attract more fans who otherwise might have sat in their armchair if it's a Liverpool game on TV or a Manchester United game on TV. Maybe they think, oh, you know, it's it's cold and wet outside. I'm not going to bother going watching Accrington Stanley today. I'm going to watch this game on the TV. That's the reasoning for it. It can be traced back to the 1960s when Burnley chairman Bob Lord uh, made this argument to fellow Football League chairman. Uh, he made the argument it would have a negative impact on the attendance of, of lower league games. And and that's still the argument that exists, that is made to this day. Um, there has been the exception of the COVID season, where fans obviously couldn't attend matches and it was, uh, it was uh, the blackout was temporarily suspended because every match was on TV during that period. But once the COVID season uh, was in the rear view mirror, they brought the blackout back and it still exists to this day. Um, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. I think it's it's a really cool thing is what I've landed on because I think when it exists the way it does in, in North America, it feels like it's pushing you to attend that NFL game. And if you are a person who cannot afford to attend an NFL game, the tickets are expensive, there's parking, there's concessions, there's whatever else. It's just a huge expense. I think it does sort of make it unfair that people who do have the money, it basically cuts out uh, poor people who would like to be able to watch their team or, or go to the game, but can't. And I think the market difference here would be that it encourages you to go then watch lower, lower league teams. And I think if you are just trying to watch Liverpool, I'm sure it's a more frustrating thing, but I was reading an article with a, 
a guy who runs a team in like the eighth division and they're near Newcastle. And he was just saying that when Newcastle are in that 3 p.m. slot, their attendance jumps from like 400 to 700. And that seems like not that much. But when you're playing at that level, I think 300 more people is probably a very exciting thing. But it also means just a little bit more money. And I think that can be a difference maker. So I think it's very cool. and I think it's very interesting. But I know that there are people who do not, especially in the UK. So Graham, if you are not a fan of that local blackout or of that 3 p.m. blackout, rather. How can you get around it? Yeah, so first of all, can I set the table and just whether it's actually effective and whether it does uh, play a role in in, in boosting attendances? Because then I can link that to how you can get around it. So there's kind of been studies into the effectiveness of it. Um, one YouGov poll recently showed that fans oppose the blackout by 52% to to 25%. And studies are quite consistent in showing that fans would generally like the blackout to be abolished. Mm -hmm. You can then link that to the growth of piracy and the ability of fans to find a dodgy stream on the internet. There have been a number of cases where um, people have been sent to jail for pirating matches or even pub landlords have been sent to jail or had sentences for if you're a pub landlord, you need a specific Sky Sports or TNT subscription to show that to a public audience. A lot of these landlords will just buy a standard um, like individual subscription and the Premier League comes down hard or leagues come down hard on, on that as well. So as long as the internet is a thing, I do not understand how they will ever quash all illegal streaming and piracy um i also think social media has played a big role in changing expectations of what fans expect in terms of being kept informed with matches that are happening so if there's a goal scored in a 3 p.m game in, in the premier league uh, that goal is bouncing around twitter within minutes um and so that there's an expectation now that fans should be kept more up to date i mean keep keep in mind going back decades if you weren't at the game you didn't know the score of that match or anything that happened in that game until you turned on match of the day or whatever the equivalent is in Scotland or the EFL at 10 o'clock at night on that Saturday. You would tune in, you wouldn't have any idea what had happened. Times have changed. And so with that, I think expectations have, have changed. And there is a, a, there's a greater desire and will, I think, from fans in the UK to get around the, the, the TV blackout. I think there are mixed results in assessing whether the blackout actually does help boost attendances. Some studies I've seen says there's a boost of around 10%. Others say there is no meaningful boost from the blackout. The anecdotal evidence, which you kind of referenced, Taylor, seems to be pretty unanimous that it does help lower league teams attract fans to, to their games. I know even as a Sterling Albion fan, um, I've heard the club say, you know, we're expecting a, a, a bumper uh, crowd today because the Celtic and Rangers games are on at three o'clock and so they're not on TV this this afternoon. I don't know if that really lines up with what the, t the actual ticket sales. I feel like it's maybe something that people have in their minds and haven't, they, they don't shift from that opinion. But if you were to put some actual evidence behind it, it's, it's, a it's, it's difficult to suggest that there's a strong correlation between the two. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Like from your experience, for you right now, how many games could you potentially go to? How many clubs could you go see play in like a 30 mile radius? Oh, wow. So SPFL clubs, because obviously there's like junior teams as well. So top four divisions you're talking about yeah. or just Scottish Premiership. In 30 minutes, like 10, maybe even more than that, possibly. 
So I think that's, that is also part of the allure for me is the assumption that there are many different teams that you could go see. And I'm sure everybody has their, their loyal, like local club, the one that they are most loyal to. And then maybe there's a larger club that they also support. Uh, but like, I think, uh, like Pete Donaldson from the football ramble is a, is a, uh, who's the new, who's the team near Newcastle that he supports? Harrogate, maybe? Okay. Is that one? So. <laughs> uh, I forget who it is, but yeah, like he has like a much lower division team and then he has Newcastle. And I, and I feel like that would appeal to me to be able to go see multiple different teams because there's just this slot that you know you're not going to be sitting home watching games. And so you want to get out, you want to see some football, you can go here, you can go here, you can go here. That seems really appealing to me and seems like a reason why it would be a cool thing. It's just a motivator to get out and go watch some football in person. Yeah, I, I think I, I, um, fundamentally, I, I like the idea of the blackout. I just think in, the, in the modern age, it's becoming, it's been, it's becoming harder to hold back the tide, right? In, in, in terms of the argument, you get the feeling that fans are pushing back against it. The, the thing is, the Premier League has just agreed a new TV deal until 2029. Uh, the, while the 3 p.m. blackout remains a part of it, the number of matches that are going to be televised in that new deal in the UK has gone up by 70%, which is a huge rise. It's the biggest rise that has ever happened from one TV deal to to the next. So that in itself feels like a concession to to keep the 3pm blackout in place uh, in in terms of a, on a Saturday, but then show everything else around the 3pm blackout, which to, to my mind is actually a decent compromise. I think that's I think that's not bad at all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it does feel like it's coming under pressure in February 2011. Advocate General Cocotte of the European Court of Justice. I know you're familiar with him. I understood uh, all the words you just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was an investigation basically from the European Court of Justice into these quote closed periods. Uh, and actually in their evidence, they said it didn't affect match attendance at lower league games, but there, nothing really came of that. In 2016, Ofcom, which is the body that regulates broadcast news and programming in the UK, there was another investigation into the television rights and whether they thought this was fair. Um, They concluded football fans were keen to see a balance struck between the number of games televised and the number of games that are um, scheduled to kick off at three o'clock on a Saturday, which is kind of where I am. I think there's a balance to be struck. And then more recently, in 2022, you had the EFL um, chairman, Rick Parry, who's the, that's the, the EFL is the championship, League One, League Two in England, they openly said they were considering lifting the blackout in their TV uh, rights sales uh, and they would be, quote, open-minded about new broad- uh, new approaches to broadcasting. In the end, the EFL decided not to, to bust open the blackout and, and break open that can of worms. But people are starting to have second thoughts about it. I, my personal opinion is there could be a, there could be a better balance um, between some of the games that are behind the the blackout at three o'clock, I, I, I know some Premier League fans might be unhappy with this suggestion, but I, I kind of wonder if just moving Premier League matches to like five thirty on a Saturday might uh, might be a good compromise because five thirty is a is is a popular kickoff time. I think have more of them so that you have people going to lower league games and then they can maybe come home and watch the Premier mm-hmm. League game on the TV. People can have the best of both worlds. Have you seen the argument for making that a dedicated slot for women's soccer, for like women's Super League broadcasts, making that the 3 p.m. Uh, like broadcast so that you basically then are guaranteed to have one game that's going to at least have some eyes on it? Make five, or like make have more eyes rather than you would otherwise, yeah. You no, make, make 3 p.m. 
you can only broadcast like a women's league game at that time. Okay, no, I haven't seen those uh, proposals, but in- interesting. Um, would would that work if everyone is out the house at other games? Because obviously, you're you're. I think with the, with women's soccer, you're trying to activate a lot of the current mm-hmm. fandom yep. into becoming fans of women's teams. So if the current fandom is already out at games, they're not at home watching. I, I don't yeah. know if that would work in practice. Yeah, I think I think that could be an issue in a number of different ways. So I, I personally like it, even though it doesn't affect me at all. And I think that maybe that's why I like it is because it seems like an interesting thing. It seems like a way to get people out uh, to go attend their local games and to feel more like connected to the football community. I also imagine that sort of not being able to see the game. So then you have to watch match of the day, collective shared experience would also be a nice thing, a sort of traditional thing, but maybe I'm incorrect yeah. because ultimately we can stream every single game we want to watch over here. So yeah. maybe I'm I'm like advocating for uh, eating my cake and having it too or something like that. Another factor is the price that British football fans have to pay to watch live matches on TV. So if you want to watch Premier League matches in the UK, you need Sky Sports and TNT and Amazon as well. You need three different subscriptions. Then you've got other subscriptions to Viaplay for La Liga and some other things like some Scottish matches are on Viaplay as well. So the average watch, uh, the average cost, excuse me, of watching football in the UK, if you want to watch everything, is something like 60 to 80 pounds a month. That's just for the sports packages. I'm getting a little bit in the weeds here, but with Sky, you need to have like a base package. You can't just have like the sports package. You need to have a base Sky subscription. So you're talking between 80 and 100 pounds a month to watch football. So it just, and I've had that experience as a fan myself, where I sit down at the start of a weekend and I go through the Premier League fixtures or the, even the Scottish Premiership fixtures or whatever and I think, oh, Liverpool are playing Chelsea this weekend. I'm looking forward to watch that. Then you realise it's on at three o'clock in the sat- on a Saturday. You're paying £100 a month to watch football and you can't watch that game. But people in America can. Everyone else yeah. in the world can watch that game apart Ooh. from you in that country. Um, so it's a, it just feels, as I say, I keep coming back to this this clash between tradition and the modern age of soccer and how fans consume soccer in that modern age. And I I worry that the two aren't compatible. So you probably need a bridge somewhere between those two different sides. Well, in the modern age of American sport, Graham, I think the obvious solution is that you just move to the United States and then you can watch all the games you want whenever you want. I Oh, I moved to the United States. I thought yeah. it meant Premier League teams moved to the United States. I'm no, sure no. there are a number of Premier League teams that, <laughs> given the chance, would jump at that move. Uh, no, you specifically, Graham, move here. Although, sure, Premier League, that wouldn't be contentious at all, I think, to have a couple teams just operate here in the United States. How unrelated to that? Because like, we have NFL games that are played in London. That That is a non-starter, right? You, I'm assuming you do not want to see Tottenham, Chelsea played in New York or Chicago. Um, because I'm not a Premier League fan, Ooh. I don't mean to be flipping. I don't, don't really care. care. <laughs> yeah, <go>. like <laughs> it feels like we're already on that path mm-hmm. uh, as as we are. I can understand why people would be against it. And look, I, I probably would come down on the side of against in that argument as as well. But I remember the the 39th game proposal by uh-huh. Richard Scudamore when he's at the Premier League, and my main uh, problem with the 39th game proposal was that it. It um, was from a competitive aspect, you know, the lopsided mm-hmm. schedule rather yep. than it that rather than yeah, actually playing matches. Dumb. Yeah, I got you. Uh-huh. So I, uh, I'm maybe more open minded than most. But if you're telling me Sterling Albion are playing a competitive match in the US, first of all, lol, I want to see the attendance <laughs> for that. But second of all, I'm not a fan of that. 
preseason tour, man. Let's get Sterling Abbey over here. We'll get him. Hey, we'll we were the first British team to play a match in Japan, uh, which is a true story. A, uh, yeah, British team play a match in Japan. So maybe a preseason tour of Japan. I'm sure there'll be like five people come to that. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Graham, anything else to say about the 3 p.m. Uh, TV blackout? No, I, I just, um, I'm just very interested in your thoughts, Taylor. As a non-Brit, obviously, mm-hmm. you've given me your opinion already, but it, does it seem like just a totally crazy concept to you? Do you think this thing could ever fly in 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 no, America and in, in, in the US? No. Uh, so because of that, you don't have that history of lower league teams. You don't have as many divisions, and so they they really feel like they only exist to. I think to some extent, I'm not an expert on these things. I believe they exist to protect local markets on occasion. That you don't have. Your your team, if you are a Cleveland fan, but it's like Chiefs-Bills playing at the same time, that is going to be the nationally broadcast game, but you want to be able to watch your local team. So I think in that way, you have like a version of a blackout where maybe the rest of the nation is watching this big game, but you're watching your local team. That, to me, makes more sense. But I think when you get into the ones where you... Like, DC United used to have have this, where they would have TV blackouts because they were trying to drive people to the stadium. And that, I just think, does not work. I don't think it's feasible. I think when it's only existing to get people into one stadium to see one team, it just feels like more of a like crass commercialism sort of thing. If we want a bunch of people in the stands, even if the product isn't particularly good, even if we're not really incentivized to make the product good, we're going to make it so that you can't watch it at home. You have to come to the to the game. And I think that would be a bigger issue, plus the expense that I already talked about. Whereas in the UK, the idea that you can go see your local team that usually only gets 400 people and isn't going to be you know, a $6,000 expense to get everybody into the stadium and parked and all that, uh, I, I think it makes much more sense. And I think it is a, a just like a traditional thing it's a uniquely interesting yeah. thing it's i would put it on there with like the importance of boxing day and boxing day fixtures as just a a thing that is unimportant generally speaking to a viewer in the united states but i think in terms of maintaining some semblance of tradition and footballing culture i think it, it it's important for it to exist again that's said from the perspective of a person who can watch every single game and i imagine that as soon as the team i wanted to watch wasn't on television anymore, I'd be pretty frustrated and less enthusiastic about this rule. Yeah, one more thing to add is I think there's a difference between the situation in England with the Premier League and what we have in Scotland. So the Premier League, they sell out every single... Every every Premier League club basically sells out every single game regardless of the 3pm blackout. In Scotland, I often worry that by by adhering to the blackout and putting a lot of our games behind the TV blackout at three o'clock, there's just not a lot of eyes on Scottish football. And the last time the TV rights were up for negotiation in Scotland, I remember writing an article that said there has to be more games on TV just to attract younger fans. Like I kind of worry that Scottish football is, is just dying out, that with the older generations, when they pass on, it just doesn't pass on to anyone else because they've all become Premier League fans. They're all wearing Erling Haaland shirts. And actually, what happened with the next Premier, the next Scottish Premiership TV deal, well, there were fewer games. They went the opposite way. They had fewer games on TV the, the next time. So I, th- I think that's important to note. This is a blackout that affects all of British football. And so I am more frustrated with it from a Scottish point of view than I am from a, an English point of view. Graham, I'm not supposed to call it the English Premier League, right? Uh, not when Swansea or Cardiff are in it, no. So, but this is my question then. But you do call it the Scottish Premiership, right? I do, yeah. So how do you differentiate? Is it the premiership and then the Scottish premiership? 
No, we say we, we the Premier League and then the Scottish Premiership is what I would say. That, okay. that, those are the two official titles of the of the leagues. Okay. Um, so with that in mind, what I'm hearing you advocate for is all games of the Scottish Premiership on TV and then black out all Premier League games. Yes. yes. There we go. Okay. Cool. Cool. That cool. Feels right. Yeah. No. 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 Premier League games in Scotland, and then we'll see how it goes. See, the thing is, there would probably be a knock-on effect for Stirling Albion there, but I am. Uh, while I like the the club to get you know like bumper attendances and and the money through the gate, I have I can't lie. I turn up to a Stirling Albion game and it's a low attendance. I'm like, oh, thank God, there's no one here. <laughs> you don't want crowds. You don't want a packed house. I uh, just I uh, just I like the peace and quiet to myself. I like wow. having three seats to myself. That's, that is a. That is a rip-roaring endorsement of Stirling Albion. As, as I long love as, the peace and quiet. The tranquility of a yeah. football match is what I go for. <laughs> as long as my, you know, my mates are there, the people that I go along with to the game. Who you uh, sit with, silently but... next to, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> with three seats between us. That you nod politely to start the game and then nod politely at halftime. Is that about how it goes? <laughs> yeah, shake hands, but don't touch skin. <laughs> I thought shaking hands was only in your wedding vows. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Graham Ruffin, thank you uh, for taking the time to talk to me about the 3 p.m. blackout. I very much enjoyed it. I love learning about the like the little traditions, the little intricacies of the footballing world. And this was definitely one. So thank you again, my friend. The, the weird stuff that we only do in the UK. That's yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Thanks, Taylor Rockwell. Meat pies and blackouts. That's that's the <laughs> way to go. And not the drinking blackout, though. It's my understanding those, that you all do plenty of that as well. Yeah, uh, those two go well together as well, meat pies and blackouts, but sure. Yeah, especially if you're Harry Maguire in Mykonos. Uh, on that <laughs> note, uh, thank you again for listening to Soccer 101. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell even people that you're not friends with, because they might want to learn stuff. And we will talk to you again next week.